So the Antichrist wants to be worshipped as God. And when the Antichrist goes in the temple and wants to be worshipped as God, that is what is referred to as the abomination that causes desolation. And that is what Jesus prophesies, quoting Daniel, that's going to happen. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. the time of the church and so revelation 2 and 3 are the letters to the churches right but then between revelation 3 and 4 we see that the church is in heaven this is what we've been covering the past couple weeks revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 so revelation 4 records that we see the church in heaven and we see that represented by the um the 24 elders right at the throne there remember we have the four living creatures at the throne right we have god the father at the throne in revelation 4 also god the holy spirit at the throne but we have also as we've seen in Revelation 4, these 24 elders are at the throne. And we believe that that's representative of what? Of the church. Why? Because firstly, they have crowns. And they're not the crowns of the diadem. They're not the, the, uh, the crown of a king. They're the crown of the victor. And so we noted this, right? This would be the church. They're raptured in between chapters 3 and 4. And so they finish their what? Their race. Their race of faith. This walk of faith. And they've graduated. So we noted this, right? After the rapture, then we had the, um, the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. And that's where the church receives its crowns, its rewards. And so we see the 24 elders there with their Stephanos, the crowns of the victor. They finished the race. It's kind of like the Olympics, right? They finished the race and they've, they've, they've got their, their rewards. And so we see that in heaven. That's the, that's the picture in heaven. But remember in Revelation chapter 5, last week, we were introduced to this scroll. This is all still in heaven. Okay, so the church is in heaven, right? We have God the Father on the throne, God the Son, I mean God the Holy Spirit on the throne. But in Revelation chapter 5, we're introduced to this scroll. It has seven seals. And then we're introduced to the Lamb. And when I say introduced to the Lamb, we know that that's Jesus. But we're introduced to Jesus as the Lamb. Now we were given Jesus as the revelation, right, in chapter 1, the unveiled Jesus. But in Revelation chapter 5, he's revealed as the Lamb. Now why is that? Well, remember in Revelation chapter 5, the only one worthy, the only one that has prevailed, I think that's kind of really what I want to focus on, the one who has prevailed to take the scroll and to loosen the seals was the Lamb. Now, why is the Lamb the only one that has prevailed? Well, the Lamb is Jesus, right, of the tribe of Judah, also, right, from the root of, of David we saw last week. We know that those are scriptures pointing to Jesus Messiah and so only Jesus is worthy only Jesus has prevailed to loose the seals of that scroll because he's fully God and what fully man that makes him unique and we address that because we believe that that is now pointing to the scroll as being the title deed to the earth okay so we went into that in detail last week there's a little bit of uh, different um, views on that but the view Okay, so we looked at that and how that all fit. 
And so we believe that this lamb is very significant. Now, it's interesting. The lamb is the only one worthy to open the seal and loose the seals, uh, open the scroll and loose the seals in chapter 5. But right now we have right in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. Okay, so right here now begins the process of opening or loosing the seals to open that scroll. And this takes us through the course all the way through chapter 19. That's when Jesus returns because it does fit that context, right? Jesus is going to return with his church after that scroll is open. It's only going to be open after the seventh seal is loose. And if that scroll is the title deed to the earth, he's going to return at that time, right? And he's going to have dominion over this earth. He's going to rule and reign with the church, okay? And so this does fit that context. And so verse 1 in chapter 6 says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, he's now going to begin the process of opening all seven seals. Now in chapter 6, we see in the first eight verses, he's going to open four of the, of the seven seals. So it happens really quickly when you think about it. And then when we cover the rest of chapter 6 next week, he's going to cover um, two more seals that are going to be loosed. And so six out of the seven seals are going to be loose in the first part here in chapter 6. So it happens pretty fast. So you might guess, well, one more seal. We might have only seven chapters in Revelation. Actually, we don't. We have what? 22 chapters. But if you go all the way to the end of the tribulation, you have many, many more chapters in this seventh seal. Now, I want to note this to you because the seven seals gives us a chronology of the seven-year tribulation, which we're going to spend some time talking about in a little bit, okay? And so with each of these seven seals that are loose, right, we're in the tribulation period, and it's focusing on judgment upon this earth. With every seal that's loose, there's going to be judgment that's administered. Okay, so we have seven seals of judgment. Six of the seven, as I mentioned, are going to be loose in chapter 6. And so that seventh seal from chapter 7 all the way to chapter 19 gives the details on that. Now, it's interesting when you know in that seventh seal, there's going to be seven trumpets of judgment. And in that seventh trumpet judgment, there's going to be seven bowls of judgment. So there's going to be a lot of judgment. And that's why there's so much real estate given to this seventh seal. Many would say that the judgments go, on, go up exponentially, and you can see that. In the seventh seal, that's the real radical one, there's going to be 14 more judgments. Seven trumpets and seven balls. And then that's going to inaugurate the second coming of Christ. Now, why all the judgment? We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but fundamentally it's to purge this earth of sin. So when Jesus comes with his bride, he's going to have dominion over this earth. He's going to roll and reign with righteousness. It's the title deed to the earth as we, we believe it is. Okay, that's what he's going to do. And so that's kind of giving you the course of this tribulation period. But why so much real estate? Well, that seventh seal has a lot of judgment. But interspersed between that, those seven seals of judgment are, are these what they call parentheticals. And what these parentheticals are, they're introducing us to personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. What do I mean by parenthetical? Well, I don't know if you do any kind of writing. If you read any of my writing, I use a lot of parentheses in my writing. That's what they call parentheticals. And, you know, you're kind of writing, you have a flow and a thought, but you're kind of doing maybe some more details on that thought. So you do a little parenthetical, right? And you pause the narrative of what you're writing about, and it kind of takes you a little bit more in depth, 
perhaps in something future or something prior or even more in depth of what you're talking about. It's a parenthetical. It's a pause in what you're writing, right? And you kind of transfer your thoughts to get more detailed into this one specific uh, part in the parenthetical. And then after the parenthetical, you go on, you continue, right, on in your thought. That's kind of like how this book of Revelation is built, especially in the seven-year tribulation from Revelation 6 through Revelation 19. As I mentioned, you have the chronology of the seven seals of judgment, right? Interspersed in those seven seals of judgment, specifically in the seventh seal, are all these personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. So those are parentheticals. And when and where they come on the scene, they differ, right? They're not moving forward the chronology. They're just the parentheticals on who these are. For example, Revelation chapter, chapter 8, which we're going to cover in a couple weeks, right? This is after the sixth seal, right? And before he talks about the seventh seal, he's going to introduce us to two different personages in the tribulation that come on the scene. The first one is Israel, 144,000. The 12,000 from every tribe of Israel. He's going to introduce us to that. But then also at the latter part of chapter, of, um, of chapter 7 is the, um, is the tribulation saints. So we're going to be introduced to these two different personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. And then we're going to see the introduction in chapter 8 to the seventh seal, which holds seven trumpets of judgment. You know, other person, personages, uh, the beast out of the sea, which we believe is the Antichrist, which we're going to talk about extensively this morning, but also the beast out of the earth, which is the false prophet. And so all these different people or persons or groups of people that we see come on the scene in tribulation, they're interspersed within the narrative of the seven seals. Okay? But the narrative, the chronology is in the seventh seal. As these seals are loosed, the title deed to this earth, this scroll, is opened more and more. Once that is fully open, right? that Jesus is going to lay claim of this earth. He's going to have dominion physically of this earth, again, ruling and reigning with, with the saints, right, that return with him, right? But before that happens, it's the seven seals that leads us to his return. Okay, so I want you to note that, all right? And so in chapter 6 here, we have the first four seals. Now I want you to note this. The first four seals, they all reveal... Four different horsemen of the apocalypse. And I say four different because there's some different interpretation of who these four horsemen are. I personally believe, and this is what we're going to show, I think, in our cross-references, that it's talking about the same person. And I believe it's the person of the Antichrist. I believe these four different horsemen of the apocalypse, they're four perspectives of the Antichrist which come on the scene in the tribulation. Okay, so before we look at the parts of this, I want to now cross-reference to a couple places in Scripture, in Old Testament Scripture and also New Testament Scripture. Daniel chapter 9, it's a prophecy about this seven-year tribulation, and it's a prophecy about this Antichrist that comes on the scene during this seven-year tribulation. And then I'm going to cross-reference to a New Testament passage in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus quoting Daniel chapter 9, and he's teaching his disciples what's going to happen before his second coming. And he refers to what they call the abomination that causes desolation as spoken by Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. So I want to read both these to give us some, some information and some understanding on who this Antichrist is. And then we're going to read chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 again. And we're going to see how these four horsemen of the apocalypse can be, and I believe so, different faces of the Antichrist during the time of the tribulation, okay? 
All right, so hold your hand here and let's go to Daniel chapter 9 first. That's all the way in your Old Testament and that's in the major prophets. It's the last of the major prophets and so you have um, your poetry books, you have um, Psalms and you have uh, Ecclesiastes and you have Song of Solomon and after that you have the major prophets. Daniel is the last of the major prophets there, okay? You have Isaiah, you have Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. Okay, so go with me to Daniel chapter 9. And I'd like to read from verses 24 through 27. And let me give you the context here. What Daniel is doing, he's prophesying to his people, to Israel, and he's prophesying not only when Jesus will come the first time, but when he'd come the second time. Notice, Daniel's prophesying right around 605 B.C. So it's 605 years before Jesus comes the first time. And he's prophesying to his people, Israel, that Messiah is going to come. He's going to come after 69 sevens, and he's going to come after 70 sevens. There's going to be two comings of Messiah. Now what are the 69 sevens and the 70 sevens? The 69 sevens are 69 seven-year periods. And you can actually get a calculator and compute that, how many that is. Okay, now, we're not going to do that here. We've done that before, and there's a lot of commentators that do that because this is a prophecy of when Jesus comes the first time, and that prophecy is accurate to the day. And so you want to do this computation in your own time, and you can get a commentary to help you through that, but this is a, a radical prophecy. But there's not only a prophesying of his first coming, but his second coming as well, and that's future from us. But we know since it was accurate to the day on his first coming, we know that it's going to be accurate to the day what? on his second coming, which is future to us. And so we look at Daniel chapter 9, and so we get some language on this seven-year tribulation, the last 70th seven of prophecy of Daniel, okay? And then we can kind of look to that leads to Jesus' return, okay? So this is why I'm going here. All right, so chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel, he's prophesying. He's in exile. He's in Babylon. He's prophesying. And he's prophesying when Messiah is going to come, the first and the second coming, okay? Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 says, Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy, okay? 70 weeks are determined. So what's being described in verse 24 is that the end is going to come after 70 weeks. And notice what's going to happen. He's going to make an end of sins. Righteousness is going to rule and reign. He's going to reconcile iniquity, those that are in sin, right? There's going to be total reconciliation. He's going to bring everlasting righteousness. There's going to be a righteous rule and reign. And there's going to be the sealing up of vision and prophecy. Why do you need vision and prophecy when Jesus returns, right? He's going to be right there before your eyes. And so he's prophesying when Jesus comes again. Okay, note that. And there's going to be 70 weeks. And as I noticed, the week's seven days in a week. So it's 77-year periods. Okay, so we have this number, 77s, okay? Now verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, this would be who? We know Messiah to be Jesus, right? The prince, notice has a capital P. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now what's seven and 62? 69 weeks, okay? So we know after 70 weeks, right? Righteousness is gonna rule, the second coming. But he says now 69 weeks, right? He says Messiah, 
the prince, there shall be 70, seven sevens and 62 weeks. Seventy weeks, the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. And so he says, after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not himself. Okay, so it's interesting. In verse 25 and half of verse 26, what it's talking about is the first coming, 69 weeks. After 70 weeks, the second coming, righteousness or rule. But after 69 weeks, the first coming. And that's why it mentions, until Messiah, the Prince of Peace, there shall be 69 weeks, seven, seven, seven weeks and 62 weeks. And he says, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome time. It's saying 62 and 60 and seven weeks, which is 69 weeks. If you start counting from the time that the command goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, right? There's going to be 69 weeks or 69 seven-year periods before Messiah comes the first time. That's what's being described here, right? And notice it says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. We know that Messiah Jesus was cut off when he came the first time, right? He came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, Palm Sunday. Four days later, he was what? On, um, on Passover, right? He was nailed to the cross. He was cut off. Okay, so this happened at 69, seven years, periods, after the decree went out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. When did that happen? Well, for that, you need to read the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2 specifically, on the first of Nisan, we see that Nehemiah gives a decree, right? To ne uh, excuse me, Artaxerxes gives the decree to Nehemiah that it's okay for you to go and restore and rebuild Jerusalem. At that point, you can begin to start to count the 69 seven-year periods. Now, you want to use a 360-day lunar calendar. Right, because that's the calendar that Israel uses, that's the calendar of that day. And so you use a 360-day lunar calendar, and you start to count out 69 seven-year periods from the time that Artaxerxes gave the decree to Nehemiah, he can go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city, to the time that Jesus comes in riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. When you start to factor in the leap years and all that, and you do the computation, you can get good commentaries that do this, but you can do this yourself. You know, it's interesting that Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey on the very day that's prophesied. Pretty radical, isn't it? You might want to do this because it's prophesied right here in Daniel. And indeed, on Palm Sunday when he comes into Jerusalem, right? That is the day. And so because of this, we know that the accuracy on the first coming, it, it points to the accuracy on his second coming. Now, the thing we don't know about this thing is what about this last seven-year period? Well, that is what we believe is the tribulation period. And so what has happened is, in this counting of the 70, 70 years, right, there's been a pause after the 69 years, and that's when Messiah went to the cross. Now, the 70th week, or the 70th seven-year period, will, will start again when the seven-year tribulation begins. Okay, so you understand, and I believe that that happens at the rapture of the church. So once the church is raptured, you count off seven years. That's the seven-year tribulation, which I believe is described in Revelation chapter 6, all the way through 19, with the loosing of the seven seals. And then at the end of that last seven-year period, the 77, Messiah, what? He's going to rule and reign in righteousness. And so this is why this prophecy is so important. And it starts to 
describe a bit about Antichrist. He's coming during that seven-year tribulation. It's known as the abomination that causes desolation. It's prophesied in Daniel. And that's going to be, during this seven-year tribulation, Antichrist is going to come on the scene. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to broker a deal and give false peace to Israel. Israel's going to deem him as Messiah. He's going to be an Antichrist, a false Christ. Looks just like the Christ. That's what anti means. Remember that, uh, uh, that old Star Trek show? Remember matter and antimatter? Remember that? I don't remember that. I'm aging myself. But remember, they go into this parallel universe, one with matter and antimatter, right? They look just the same, but they're opposite. They're working against each other. But they look identical. It's kind of like that with the Christ, right? And Antichrist. The Antichrist looks just like the Christ, but he's working against the Christ. And that's why what? He's a counterfeit. A counterfeit that looks just like the real. Well, in this last seven-year period, the Antichrist is going to come. And he's going to be bringing a false peace. He's going to broker a deal, I believe, with the nation of Israel and the Arab nation, that the nation of Israel can build their temple again on the Temple Mount. Now, if you read the news, that's nowhere to be found today, right? The Temple Mount, right? It's all the Arabs are there. Israel can't even go up there. If you're a Jewish citizen, you can't even go up there, right? But Antichrist is going to broker a deal, and so he's going to give this false peace, and Israel's going to hail him as the Christ until midway through the seven-year tribulation. At that point, Antichrist is going to show his colors. He's going to want to be worshipped as God. He's going to do that by going in the temple in, in Jerusalem, and he's going to go in the temple and go in and want to be God, claimed as God. He's going to claim himself as God and want to be worshipped as God. And at that point, he's going to try to exterminate Israel once again. As throughout Israel, that's the ploy of the enemy is to take out Israel. And so he's going to try to exterminate Israel again. And at that point, Israel's going to recognize their mistake and they're going to turn to Jesus Christ, the true Messiah. Okay, so this is probably in Daniel chapter 9. So let's keep reading it. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. So he's recording the time of Nehemiah, right? Rebuilding the wall. And then the 69 weeks are counted off. Notice it says, verse 26, And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Okay, so when you start to count, when Nehemiah goes there and gets the decree, that's the first of Nisan, you start to do your arithmetic. 360-day lunar calendar, and you mark off 69 70-year periods, 69 7-year periods, excuse me, and then you take into account leap years, you'll see that Jesus comes into Jerusalem right on a donkey at the exact day that's prophesied. Okay, that notice though, it says, but Messiah shall be cut off. What happened? Four days later, after he entered Jerusalem, he was nailed to the cross to die for the sins of the world. He was cut off. He says, and the people of the prince who is to come. Now, this is where it changes. It changes right in mid-sentence here. It starts to prophesy about a prince that is to come. And notice it says a lowercase p. He's speaking of the Antichrist, I believe. Looks just like the Christ. Calls himself a prince too, right? It says, and the people of the prince who is to come. There's going to be that one, one who comes during the tribulation. 
and he's going to claim to be God, right? He says, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. This one week is the seven-year tribulation. This is the 70th seven. This is the last seven-year period. Okay, so you notice how the prophecy changes from the first coming to the second coming. The first coming is already past tense for us, but the second coming is what? Future. Now, we know that the first coming came and was fulfilled on the very day. And we have confidence that that happened. So this 70th seven, right, when Jesus comes again, we have confidence now that that's going to happen because we see that the first coming literally happened on the very day. Now, notice verse 27 says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. I believe that covenant is going to be with Israel. And that's going to help them promote peace so that they can have their temple on the Temple Mount and bring worship again. And that covenant is also going to affect the Arab nation. There's going to be peace. But it's going to be a false peace. It's only going to be for the first three and a half years. Uh, so the Antichrist wants to be worshipped as God. And when the Antichrist goes into the temple and wants to be worshipped as God, that is what is referred to as the abomination that causes desolation. And that is what Jesus prophesies, quoting Daniel, that's going to happen just before his second coming. Notice it says, But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. This is the abomination of desolation. Even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Okay, so this is the prophecy of Daniel. Now, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, this is Jesus teaching his disciples what's going to come just before his second coming. And he quotes Daniel chapter 9, what we just read. He quotes the abomination that causes desolation, and he begins to teach them what to expect. Now, he's teaching his disciples, and what he's teaching them is what Israel, what's going to happen to Israel. Okay, so if you go with me to Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to cherry pick a few of the verses at the outset here, but we want to focus our attention on verses 15 through 31. Okay, and as we read this, when we go back to Revelation chapter, chapter 6, and we read those eight verses about the first four seals being loose, it's going to make a lot more sense that these four horsemen of the apocalypse, I believe, are the Antichrist. They're different faces of the Antichrist during the time of the tribulation, how he's revealed, okay? All right, so Matthew chapter 24. You know, again, let me just kind of read verse 5, 6, and 7 to you. Again, Jesus, he's being asked by the disciples, how do we know when the end of the age is going to come? What's going to happen? So he begins to explain to them. Verse 5 of chapter 24 says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many. Who does that sound like? Sounds like the Antichrist, remember? Looks just like the Christ. Against the Christ, but looks just like him, right? So many are going to come in my name. And so we note this. When Antichrist comes, boy, this is a picture of the end. Just before Jesus Christ comes, right? And then he says, verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Sound familiar? Well, we just read a loosing of one of the seals, right? There's going to be wars. Right? The sword's going to be taken out and there's going to be ones killing each other, right? Wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now look at verse 7. 
for nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Sound familiar? Yeah, it's exactly what's described in the first four seals. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. We just read this, right, in the fourth seal that's loose. Okay, so this all points to that time, right? Now, I want to take you now to Matthew chapter 24, verse 50, and begin reading there. Who's going to be behind all this? Well, it's going to be Satan for sure, but Satan is using this man, this son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, as Paul calls him. It's the Antichrist to do this bidding, right? And this is going to be described in uh, our verses here. Notice in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, let's read there. It says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Okay, so this is what Daniel prophesied in Daniel chapter 9. We just read. It's when... Antichrist comes into the temple and wants to be worshipped as God. What Jesus is saying, when this happens, know that this abomination that causes desolation, that Daniel prophesied, has been fulfilled. And he says, when you see this happen, he's speaking to Israel. You need to leave. You need to flee. Thanks again for joining us in our podcast of Calvary Chapel Agua Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory. 